Hello and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where every JoJo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. Don't <laughs> try not to laugh. I threw you off guard with that one. This is episode 41, and we're discussing our favorite JoJo's. As always, there'll be spoilers for anything that's happened in the JoJo anime, so you've been warned. And that's up until the recent events of part six, right? Yes. To okay. wherever we're at, you know, the first 12 episodes with part six, that is all fair game. And honestly, it's going to be kind of difficult to talk about our favorite JoJo's if we can't talk about spoilers. Right. But before we get into that, let's talk about Spotify. Because Spotify has a bell icon now, just like YouTube. You can hit that bell icon and be notified when we have new episodes out. So if you... Um, sometimes get confused by the fact that we are a bi-weekly podcast, but currently we're a weekly podcast because right now we're going through Stone Ocean, but then we're waiting for Stone Ocean to catch up. So we're still going to be a weekly podcast, but we might go back to bi-weekly. I don't know. Um, hit that bell icon and you'll get notified on Spotify anytime, every time a new episode comes out for Strictly JoJo. Yeah, so Spotify will do the work for you in letting you know when the fuck <laughs> our episodes are coming out. They've got you. They've got you. If you don't know where the bell icon is because it is a brand new feature i believe to their podcast section uh, if you go on the mobile app and you go to the strictly dojo page which has all of our episodes and everything next to the follow button is the bell icon hit that bell icon i feel like a youtuber saying that but yes do that so that you know when our episodes come out but of course we always do our best to let you know ahead of time should there be any schedule changes <laughs> i know this isn't an issue anymore but just make sure that you're following the right Strictly JoJo podcast. <laughs> I think it's still some. It's still somewhere in some places, and if most of you probably have no idea what we're talking about. So one of the things that we um, we were reminiscing about, and we thought would be fun to share on the podcast is um, yeah, the statute of limitations is well <laughs> well done with on this. <laughs> when we first launched Strictly JoJo, maybe about a like a couple months into um, the podcast, one of our friends, uh, Jason, who actually made our logos for Strictly JoJo, Strictly Anime, and the Strictly series. So shout out to you, Jason. Um, he was looking for Strictly JoJo on Spotify or somewhere, some podcast service, and he came across two Strictly JoJo's. And what we mean by that is there was our Strictly JoJo that popped up in the search. The next to it was another podcast called Strictly JoJo, which had our exact same logo, except really low quality. And it someone had typed the words Strictly JoJo over <laughs> the Strictly JoJo logo and then used that to make their own podcast, which essentially was a copy of our podcast. Plus the way that they spelled JoJo, I think ours, we have both J's capitalized, but then they're, you know, like they just spelled it capital J, O, lowercase J, and then O. So I guess that was an easy way to differentiate between the two podcasts, uh, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people were able to notice that and figure out which one was the real Kono Jojo da. <laughs> well, of course we looked into it because we were like, what is this? Why is somebody copying our podcast? The, what do they say? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Mm -hmm. we, know, we, we went into it with you know the benefit of the doubt for the other individual. So we listened to it. It only had one episode that was like three minutes long. Not even. It was like a minute and a half. And it was basically this kid who had to be no more than like 12 years old who was saying that he was going, this podcast was going to be all about his, 
the things he likes about JoJo and like the stuff that he likes about anime. And it was just you could tell it was some kid who jumped on his computer and just like recorded one minute of him just rambling about what he was going to do and then threw that up on Anchor <laughs> and then used our art. So it was um, we, we definitely had a good laugh about it. We were you know not upset by any means, but we felt that in order to not confuse our listeners and ultimately because it was using our podcast art that we needed to handle the situation. So all we did was um, actually it took a little bit to figure out where his hosting platform was, but we um, found out, I think that it was through anchor. So we just sent them a quick email saying, Hey, we don't want this kid to like get in trouble necessarily. We would just appreciate if you could contact him about changing the title and the, um, the podcast art for his podcast, because again, it's literally using our podcast name and our podcast uh, cover art and logo. Yeah. So I don't think you will see that, uh, that, copycat <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to find a, like a, a, a lighter term uh that tributes podcast you will no longer find it um on any of the podcatching platforms um but i guess it was kind of nice to know that there was someone out there um who thought hey i could use the logo for this podcast because they seem pretty good and then um, use it for their own again Imitation being the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, again, like we weren't mad at all. Like we were very clear in our contact with Anchor that we do not want him to get in any trouble. We're not upset. We're not trying to pursue anything. We just simply wanted those two things to be changed: the title and the cover art. I think ultimately they took down the podcast. So yeah, I, I don't think it's anywhere, but like maybe on one or two podcast platforms out there that aren't great about scraping RSS feeds. Maybe you can still find it. So if you want to do some digging and try to find the uh, the non-official Strictly JoJo podcast with one episode on it, feel free. But for, I think for the most part, it's it's not there anymore. <laughs> this actually reminds me. I, I told my other group of friends who aren't into anime about this, and you know, like they they like to roast things uh, as <laughs> as much as they can. So one of them, <laughs> they took the audio clip from. Get this this quote unquote tribute podcast, and then he, he like edited a little bit, and then he came back to us and said, "Hey, this kid is he, he released a new episode of the podcast," and then he sent us a link, and so I clicked the link, and it had the same opening and the same just like the same um, content that the kid was saying in the original episode. But you could faintly hear like a knock in the background, and then like a uh, a muffled voice saying FBI, FBI, <laughs> yeah. and then it, like the podcast just turns like it runs amok, and it it feels like someone swatted the kid and they're arresting oh. him. <laughs> Again, we we didn't want to pursue at like this kind of action with the kid because we know he was just. It's it's just an innocent kid, but it's just like my my friend just took it to the next level. <laughs> like, I know. I remember when he sent that to you, and you were like, "Oh my god, the kid came out with another episode." And we were like, "What?" But then it was just his his joke episode that he had sent to you directly. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was nice to to poke fun at at this experience. But you know, if if the kids is actually listening to us out there, hope you hope you're doing well. Hope you're still investing your time in JoJo. It is a, 
I was going to say it was an anime for all ages. Maybe it's not. <laughs> not, not but yeah. hopefully this didn't deter you from your, your love of it's JoJo's an, Bizarre Adventure. It's an anime for, for everyone. We'll, we'll put it yeah. that way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, if, if you're listening to this, hope you're still enjoying Strictly JoJo. And uh, no harm, no foul. It, it is what it is. It got taken care of. And like we said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> In JoJo news, though, let's talk about There some, is no news. There's some news. Okay, there's no important news. Not not important, but big news around when we're getting more Stone Ocean. Unfortunately, we're still waiting on that. But there were a couple of other things that popped up, right? Yeah. Um, recently on Twitter, I saw a post that was announcing new Stone Ocean. Ochen. Ochen. New Stone Ocean. <laughs> I cannot speak. New Stone Ocean Ichiban Kuji figures coming in March 2022. That's the title of an article from uh, jojo-news.com. Uh, it's from the same manufacturers. They Last year, I think, for the, the special JoJo event, was it like... Um, the anniversary of something. I don't r- remember exactly what. Was it like the, the t- not the 10 year anniversary of the anime? Of the uh, manga? I, I I can't remember. Because I think the manga, wait, I was Ma- about to say it came out in 2011. It's set in 2011, isn't it? <laughs> what, the Stone Ocean? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking about last year's uh, figure line where they released the first five uh, JoJo protagonists um, in figure form. And it was actually called uh, JoJo's Assemble. <laughs> I'm looking at the like promotional art right now. Um, but yeah, it's by the same company, Ichiban Kuji. And we actually have one of these figures, uh, looking at the lineup from last year, uh, the Joseph Joestar, where he's kind of in that. Oh, know, like yeah. That. The only Joseph Joestar figure that I think looks like pretty good for him. Yeah, for some he- reason, Joseph has not had good figures. Yeah, although he's not really in a JoJo pose, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a, like a, an action pose almost. Yeah, and it's uh, the figures are all in their manga colors. So here it's Joseph with his olive green tank top, his green and yellow scarf, and it's a nice figure. I think you have it posed on your side. It's in my uh, husbando my husbando corner. corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I was contemplating a, the Jotaro from this line too, but. I ended up getting another one, I think, from this. I think it was called Superstar line, which just had a more dynamic pose. But anyway, Ichiban Kuji, uh, they just released uh, an image of the figures that they'll be releasing for Stone Ocean. Um, and I'm looking at the image right now. We'll probably share this on our Discord. You have Jolene Kujo, um, Hermes Costello, Foo Fighters, and Daddy Jotaro, of course. Um, I think, yeah, these are in their anime colors. Send me the link. You sent it to me before. I've seen it before, but I need to take a look at it because I was not as impressed with these. Yeah, I'm looking at Jolene specifically. Something about her face just seems off. Like there's two issues I have with these figures. And don't get me wrong, like they, they look pretty good. But one, Jolene's face looks really round. Like she just has like a a chubby face. And that's just not aligned to how she normally looks in a lot of promotional images or even in other figures. So it just seems 
like strange like her her it's two things her face looks really round and her facial features are not fierce enough she just mm -hmm. seems like she's chilling there versus like the intensity that she usually has and also i feel like when i look at these maybe i'm crazy but they kind of look like they're made of clay i don't know am i crazy mm. like look at the top of jotaro's hat what's going on there <laughs> like it yeah. looks like it's made of clay or like jolene's bangs it just looks like it's made of like play-doh or something maybe it's just because of the lighting that they just look too shiny and, and matte or maybe the paint that they chose for the figure. I don't know. Something about this line is just not hitting the same. Although as I would get that Jotaro figure. I think it's probably the most detailed out of these four figures. They gave him abs. They made his shirt stuck to his chest <laughs> so that he could have abs. That's so funny. <laughs> I like they, they kept the continuation of his uh snakeskin pants into his snakeskin boots i know now we don't know for well i guess we do know for sure based on this it seems like they're just all one one unit there <laughs> but yeah looking at these in detail at the actual um bp navi page man the like jo jolene's cheeks are so big she looks like a chipmunk what the fuck oh, oh, the hermes does look good yeah like, I was, her face I was gonna looks say, good yeah the hermes figure looks good and i like that you know foo fighters is in that pose i think that is pretty familiar where she's holding her hand up to her face. Yeah, the Foo Fighters one is pretty good. Honestly, Jotaro's face is also pretty good. It's his hat that's bothering me. Like, why does his hat just kind of like round out, but like flatten at the same time? I don't know. I'm just being a little picky, I think. <laughs> well, oh, they have other shit too. They do. Further down on the page, there's, um, I don't know what these are. You're on the, the BP Navi link from that article, right? Yeah, when you go below Jotaro's figure. Oh, it like looks like little bags. pouches, yeah. Oh my god. And then they got look at Jotaro's and look at fucking white snakes. Those are awesome. The bags? Oh, like with the the reverse design. Yeah, oh my god. I really like those. Oh, you know what these are? I think because uh, these figures are part of a lottery. Like the article, the JoJo News. Of course News, they are. Yeah. The JoJo News article mentions that there's a lottery hosted every month at official Ichiban Kuji shops, uh, Lawson stores, bookstores. Um, I think we saw this in that video of the um, YouTube content creator who repaints figures. Um, yeah. She goes to these shops and draws like tickets from this lottery and like you pay a certain amount it says here you pay about seven bucks for each ticket or for each attempt and whatever letter you draw um, you get that specific item so if you see in the bp navi um, website which is linked in the article uh, there are letters that go with each item and so i think that's what you get if your ticket draws like a, a letter f you get these cups with the jojo figures and icons on it if you draw i think letters a through d you get one of the jojo figures um so i'm, I'm pretty sure jojo fans in japan have to pay like a pretty penny before they can grab a ticket that has one of these figures because yeah I, I would feel like I would figure that yeah. these figures like retail price would be around 70 bucks because I think that's around the price that we paid for the Joseph Joestar figure that we have. I 
I don't know why Japan loves the lottery system. I, I would just be so frustrated. Like, I just want to buy the bags. Can I just buy the bags? Do you not want my money? I will give you my <laughs> you money. Want please, my money? please take my money. I just want the bags and some of these figures. I, but I'm so I'm so annoyed at the Jolene one. <laughs> the Jolene one just looks like a chipmunk. I don't know. It looks weird. But it usually, yeah. usually doesn't look like that. Yeah, I think these figures will actually be sold individually um, overseas. Because uh, I think even last year's line with the five JoJo protagonists, those were also part of a lottery system in Japan, but we were able to purchase them at retail price um, out here in the States. So All right. Well, then we just have to wait a little bit longer. I don't think the bags. I think it's like the figures will probably be available. I doubt mm -hmm. the shot glasses and the bags will be available. Like I feel that's usually how it goes the fun stuff like the the non-main items are the things that like we cannot get access to here mm -hmm. it's always just jet, jet, you know, people in japan which makes sense obviously it's they're catering to their local market no big deal but you know pardon me which is that i could have an, an option to purchase one of those bags oh it looks like there's an alternate paint of jolene in her manga colors so yeah with the green mm -hmm. and like her what like shiny blue outfit instead of the the dark green that we see in the anime mm -hmm. still looks like play-doh though <laughs> yeah I, these up close shots like they do not do her character justice but you know hopefully in the regular form like in in physical form they look fine and i'm hoping that that youtube channel will probably snag one of these and try to repaint it so it looks more accurate to the anime well similarly there was also another announcement about jojo products specifically around eyeliner oh yes yeah eyeliner. i wouldn't know <laughs> apparently there's a jojo's bizarre adventure and love liner mashup where they have a stone ocean eyeliner set and i wear eyeliner but honestly, I don't care about the eyeliner. I just want to have JoJo eyeliner. Like I would buy all of these and never open them and just put them on a display case because these are beautiful. And the art for these, absolutely, be absolutely beautiful as oh, well. Oh, these are just pens, right? Like you're talking, I, I don't, again, I, I'm not familiar with makeup products. They are eyeliner <laughs> pens, yes. <laughs> Similar to what I use. Um, there are eyeliner pens in a couple different shades depending on the character that you choose. But for me, again, I just think that the packaging looks amazing. Like the fucking eyeliner packaging has Jolene and Jotaro and Hermes. And I'm kind of wondering if these promo images are drawn specifically for this collab because I've never seen this image of Jolene before. Have you? Yeah, I was going to say that looks like a better pose for Jolene for the figures we talked about. And look how amazing her face is drawn. She looks gorgeous. She looks really, really mm -hmm. good. And there's like this nice, um, and, and maybe this is in the other promo images and I just haven't noticed, but there's that nice shading as well. Like look at her arm and you can just see like the highlights on top of the highlight, you know what I mean? Like there's like this nice shading, the kind of the shading that you got in part one and two. Mm -hmm. Like just how we can get, I think even part three, you get the close-ups of their faces and like there's this nice kind of like gradient effect going on. This art looks so good. I mean, look at fucking Weather Report. He looks so good. <laughs> Holy shit. I want like this image of him. I just want that. I, I want like an acrylic stand of just that. But they, speaking of acrylic stands, I'm scrolling further down. 
they do offer acrylic stands that hold your eyeliner. So there's one that has the girls on it. To hold your eyeliner. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an acrylic stand for my <laughs> eyeliner, but I would use this to put them on display. And there's an acrylic stand for with the guys on it. Um, and yeah, I just, I need this. I'm never going to touch the eyeliner, even though I wear eyeliner. I just, I want to have this because I think it's such a cool, like, collab. And I'm sure there's been other anime or specifically jojo collabs with makeup lines but something about this i'm loving i just want these so bad yeah i'm thinking that these are probably original art designs just so that the characters could fit on the packaging because you can kind of see they're all like kind of they're not contorted but everything is really close like all their poses are kind of close to the chest i'm actually surprised that this like this is my personal opinion, but I'm surprised this promotional art looks better than some of the promotional art for the actual Stone Ocean anime. Again, like Jolene's face, amazing. Jotaro looks cool as fuck in this. Um, Hermes's face looks amazing. I love Foo Fighters pose. I think that's a really cute pose for her. Um, Weather Report just looks amazing no matter what. And then Anasui, that's a, I think that's a- I would say that looks like a familiar pose. Yeah, that's a, that's a pose I think that he's used before. So I don't know, that one's a little less unique, but it's, he still looks great. I don't know, I just, I want this so bad. I'll, I'll let you know if I'm able to get my hands on it. It's probably gonna be really expensive when it comes to shipping, but I'll do it. You know, I, you know, I would rather have just a, a poster of these than the eyeliner. I think that would be of more utility to me personally, but the yeah. O- the only downside now that I'm thinking about it is you get these acrylic stands to hold and display your eyeliners and to, you know, probably to use them because that's, I'm sure, the intent. But then I think you have to break open the gorgeous packaging, which has the characters on it. So I would get mm. the acrylic stands, put them out, but then just put the eyeliner out in its original packaging next to it. Even the boxes for the acrylic stands look really, yeah. really nice. Oh, my God. I need all of this. All right. Well, that's my goal. If I can get it within a uh, reasonable amount, I will let everyone know. So now let's move on to the main event, our topic, which is our favorite JoJo's. We have been waiting to talk about this for quite some time. And if you're one of the ones who have been around for quite some time with us, or if you've ventured back in our catalog, our very first JoJo episode, our Strictly JoJo introduction episode, I think we talked about our... Episode zero, right? Yeah, episode mm. zero. We think we talked about our favorite JoJo's, like our top three. And I feel like mine are probably the same, but maybe it's changed. Who knows? Yeah, actually, I, I didn't listen back and hear what my top three were i feel like they're the same they might just be in a different order i purposely didn't listen back because i didn't want to be influenced by my favorites at that time because now we have stone ocean um you know things may have changed as we're re-watching mm. the, sh- the the different parts so i wanted to just go into it fresh and see afterwards if my top three have stayed the same or if they've changed but essentially what we're doing here is we're going to rank all six JoJo's from the anime. Yeah, so we're not including, what's his name, Gappy? We're not including Johnny or Gappy from part eight. Who's, or Joe Skate. Which one is the one from Steel Ball Run? Johnny. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so we're not including those because we have never read those parts, <laughs> and so we can't speak to them. But we'll, we'll rank the current six JoJo's from the anime. But with that said, I, I, I'm ranking them, but by no means do like 
I dislike the number six and the number five. Like I love all of the JoJo's. I just like some of them more. So and I like some of them less. <laughs> so we're <laughs> going to force ourselves to uh, to rank them. But before we do that, I was kind of thinking. I was typing up my notes. You know what's crazy? Like most of the Joe stars actually know little to nothing about the rest of their lineage, right? Mm, yeah, I would say. Uh... Obviously, Jonathan is disconnected because he's dead. But, <laughs> and he's the first. Yeah. I would say, what, Joseph, Jotaro, and Jolene are probably the most connected. Well, not Jolene to uh, Joseph. I think Jotaro is probably the one who, who's semi-connected to almost every JoJo we've encountered. That's true. I guess to clarify, I feel like they know little to nothing about the JoJo's that came before them. Mm. Um, with, I, I'm sure Jotaro probably knows the most because he's been around for the majority of the anime. And I'm sure he's the type that would research the origins of like Dio and the Joestar lineage and all that stuff. So he probably knows the most. But in general, they really don't know a lot about the previous JoJo's. But even though, you know, despite that fact, they're still driven and compelled by their Joestar blood to mm -hmm. do what they do best, which is do the right thing. I would say maybe like the the three most recent JoJo's, uh, Jor uh, Josuke, Jorno, and Jolene, like they're the ones that are kind of the most detached, and I can kind of see it for <laughs> uh, Josuke and Jorno because they had like a kind of rough upbringing and, <laughs> and not necessarily um, a, a a a proper childhood within the family, and then Jolene, of course, had a like a fallout with Jotaro. Yeah, but I'm kind of thinking through it. Like Jonathan died before anyone else was around. Um, mm -hmm. Joseph... Or did he with his body? Well, his, his head mind. Died. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph purposely was never told anything about Jonathan or about George II uh, because Irina didn't want him to fall into that same hole. Uh, Jotaro didn't even really have an established relationship with Joseph until uh, part three when they went to Egypt. But again, I think you could argue that Jotaro probably knows the most through his own research because he is kind of researching the stands and enemy stand users and whatnot. Josuke didn't know about any of them until Jotaro showed up to Morio and said, hey, you have a dad and he's still alive and you are owed some money. And then Jorno never even fucking met any of them. <laughs> so <laughs> he has no fucking idea where he comes from. He just has a picture of Dio. And then Jolene, she was also raised with no knowledge of her Joestar blood. And then Jotaro shows up to the jail and says, by the way, let me tell you all about what it means to be mm. a Joestar. So yeah, I just, again, I, I find it fascinating that there's such a disconnected family, a disconnected lineage, but that Joestar blood makes them all amazing characters who act in the same righteous way or, you know, towards that sense of justice and towards that sense of family, even when they don't have a, a close-knit family. Yeah, I was going to say it's less about the Joestar blood, but more about the Joestar virtues that really shine in the series. Although I feel like Jonathan, his head or his body is probably rolling in its grave, <laughs> just seeing how his bloodline has descended into degeneracy and chaos. <laughs> well, with that, let's jump into our list. So we're going to go backwards order and start with our number six JoJo's. And, and this is our 
personal pick? These are our personal picks. We are not ranking them. Yeah, that's a good point. We are not ranking them based on who we think is the best or who we think is the worst or, you know, we're not doing any sort of like power ranking or stand ranking. This is literally just who we love personally, who our favorites are of the six JoJo's. And again, I love all of them. I know it's cheesy to say that. I love all of them, but we're going to do some force ranking here. So let's start with number six. Who is your number six, JoJo? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I feel like you're going to hate me for this choice. Oh, my, no. My number six is the JoJo of part four. Diamond is what? unbreakable. Josuke Higashikata. What? I thought it was going to be Jonathan because mine is Jonathan. No. Wow. <laughs> Actually, um, well, Jonathan's also closer to the bottom of my list. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't vibe. I couldn't vibe with part four as a whole just because we're going from the epic adventure that was Stardust Crusaders into what everyone calls the the slice of life part of JoJo, which was part four. But wait, okay. Let me just ask. If you look at part four in isolation, not looking at it as in like how it follows up part three, does that change your perspective? Oh, I, like, I had fun watching part four. But I think each of the parts that we've seen in JoJo has like a almost like an impact on the world, right? Where part one, Jonathan was fighting Dio because he wanted to reign like vampire supreme over everybody. Part two, Joseph is fighting the Pillarman threat, which is trying to like with cars trying to become the ultimate being. And also reign supreme over the world. Part three, you have Dio coming back, and then Johto puts a stop in part five. I would say like part five, maybe two hadn't had like a huge effect on the world, but it was still a epic of a story in terms of the 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 themes of fate and time. Part six, I, I can't say much about it right now, although it seems like it's also going to be involved with Dio and him trying to reign supremacy over the world. Part four is just about a town that happened to be affected by stand, like the stand arrow. True. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. Well, okay, I guess for me, Jonathan being my number six, it's just he has the shortest part. He has um, the the longest lasting impact because he really starts this whole story off, this whole mm -hmm. lineage off. But he, to me, okay, I know he's a true gentleman. But that also kind of makes him a bit one note compared to the other JoJo's. The other JoJo's are very complex, very unique individuals. Jonathan is your classic hero character type. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But by comparison, that makes him probably the least exciting to watch on screen. But at the same time, the guy has a really fucking sad story. Possibly the saddest mm. of all the JoJo's so far. Like, he lost his mother when he was a baby. Um, he had a pretty cushy life until Dio shows up and ruins everything and starts bullying him for no reason. His dog was killed. His dad was killed. His mentor was killed. His girlfriend was stolen. And then he died shortly after finally getting married to her. He never got to meet his son. Just like all the... And Dio took his body. I mean, dude, the guy, <laughs> the guy's been through it. But, you know, he is still a very noble character. But with that said, to me, it's just... He's he's going to be the least exciting in my eyes because of that. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of see all that. I think if we had more time with Jonathan, we'd probably have a closer bond with him like that uh, as much as we do with the other JoJo's. Um I guess I can kind of 
I'll defend him when it comes to where he's ranked on my list. <laughs> um, and I know like with Josuke, I've been mostly talking about like the, the, the part that he, part four that he is featured in. Um, and I, I has been a long time since I've watched part four and I know we're eventually going to go through our part three episode review. And so we probably won't touch part four for like another one and a half years probably with our bi-week- <laughs> bi-weekly schedule <laughs> but i was like just trying to browse um pages and articles of like things that josuke has done um, i'm looking at one from cbr.com i think comicbookresources.com that ranks like the five toughest fights of josuke and five that were too easy and uh, yeah i'll admit like he has had a share of very difficult battles against um, like enemy stand users in part four. But I think what detracts me the most from him is that he didn't really emerge as the hero of his own part that, at the finale. That is very true. Right, because it's, it's um, Jotaro who has to step in and use Star Platinum, the world, to put a stop to Kira. Although like Josuke had all the pieces in place to in order to allow Jothro to do that yeah that's totally fair and I always kind of feel salty on Josuke's behalf that he didn't get to deal the killing blow but also I think Josuke is too not innocent but uh not pure either I can't think of the word but I think for him to actually have (laughs) like to actually go and kill somebody is not in his characteristic I mean look at Mm. his stand his stand is literally a healing stand a, a fixing type stand so it's just not in his nature to do that so with his mentor mentee type of relationship with jotaro it does make some sense that jotaro would be the one to kill that that final blow or to kill to deal that final blow yeah and i don't know maybe with the the new manga spinoff that's coming up where i think josuke plays or like josuke is a featured character in that apparently Even though yeah, it's, it's a, a prequel Right, it's before the, he he gave uh, Crazy Diamond his stand name. Yeah, I think it's a like it's advertised or talked about as a Josuke whole horse spinoff manga, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I I can't wait. Like that to me is a an interesting combination. But we'll we'll see if if that kind of changes the game for him. Who knows? Yeah, and if that will allow, like, if I get to read that manga spinoff, if that will have Josuke rank a little further higher on my list and you know i would just love to see where josuke goes after part four i don't know if that's ever touched upon in the manga or in any other spinoff to see if he does eventually hold his own or if he just stays in moriocho as, as a regular person despite having a a very powerful stand that's kind of interesting to think about yeah because like the other jojos kind of have a somewhat like finished story in the sense that like Jonathan's dead we know that Joseph um lived on into other parts and was confirmed by Araki to still be alive technically by part six he's Mm. just old and living his living his life um Jotaro we know what's going on there um Giorno I don't know but He's heading the mafia. Yeah, he's head of the mafia. So there's like some there's like some closure there, I guess. But yeah, Joe's case it feels a little bit like there could be more done there. But let's move on to our number five, Jojo of the six. 
So uh, do you want to reveal yours first or should I? I can reveal mine because I already I'm kind of hinted at this. My number five is Jonathan Joestar. Oh, shit. My number five is Jorno. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Again, I love all of them. I'm just being, <laughs> it's, it's a forced ranking system. So Jorno is going in number five. Shall I explain why? Yeah, I'm curious to hear your defense and then I can put my defense <laughs> so i really liked part five but giorno himself like i don't think he always carried the story i feel like sometimes bucerati fucking carried that story like mm. giorno don't get me wrong giorno, giorno certainly did he was obviously the star of the show but there are times where he was a little overshadowed by bucerati which again you could also argue is the same situation with jotaro and josuke in part four and you see Jorno display characteristics of both Dio and Jonathan, which I love, but he also kind of does some sus things because he's half Dio, like stealing Koichi stuff, killing people. He killed Leaky Eye Luca and Pulpo using his stand powers. Like he, he had a rough upbringing, so some of his choices are understandably sus because he needs to do what he needs to do to survive in that environment, but... I mean, he's killed people. He's like one of the the only JoJo's that's like continuously and openly killed people. He does have a strong sense of justice, though. Probably one of the strongest senses of justice among the JoJo's. And he fucking completed his goal. He said, I'm going to fucking be part of the, the mafia. And he fucking did that and became the head of it. Yeah, I can kind of see the part where uh, Bucerati, of course, like he's my favorite character in part five outside of um, Giorno. Um, he does kind of lead the story in the beginning because he is the head of uh, Passione's, forgot their specific squad name, um, to, to deliver... The Bucci gang. Yeah. <laughs> to, to deliver... What's her name? Oh, it's escaping me. The, 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 Trish? Uh, yeah, Trish. Thank you. Um, Trish to, to the boss. Uh, and then it, it goes south when they figure out what the boss really intends to do with her. Um, but, yeah, so I can kind of see where Bucerti overshadows Giorno just because he is the squad leader um, that helps Giorno realize his goal of becoming a, a gang star. So he is overshadowed a bit, but like you said, Giorno eventually reaches his goal. And I can talk more praises about Jorna when he gets when I get to where he's ranked on my list. Um, I guess for my personal pick with Jonathan again, he's ranked low just because, as you kind of mentioned, he he's a one note character or one note protagonist in JoJo. We only get nine episodes for him compared to like the the what fifteen or so, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen with Joseph, like more than 50 with Jotaro because he his hand gets included in parts five and, and six and but in part four of course too um so yeah Jonathan obviously we, we can't connect with on the deeper level but you can't have Jojo's Bizarre Adventure if you don't have Jonathan even though he has like these tropey qualities of like a protagonist um, like a shining hero a gentleman uh, a very chivalrous person those are the the essential qualities of the joestar bloodline that you see get passed down from generation to generation and so even though 
we only see Jonathan for like a fleeting moment compared to the other Jojo protagonists. You, you see that, that characteristic still shine brightly with all the subsequent ones. And that's where I said, like, it's not about the Joestar blood. It's about the Joestar virtues. Yeah, I dig that. I think at the end of the day, Jonathan just doesn't have an opportunity for us as Jojo fans, anime only Jojo fans to shine to your point because he only had nine episodes. And I think I was kind of expecting after seeing Jonathan's death in part one, part two, I was like, okay, I I already know what the fate of Joseph's going to be. Like Jojo's, you have these heroic characters that suddenly meet this, this tragic, uh, tragic demise. And you kind of get a dictates of that in part two with uh, Joseph's quote unquote death um, on that volcano Island. Uh, But then Araki was like, no, he's okay. And then all the other Jojo's kind of follow suit. And I don't know. I I, kind of hope that there's a a future Jojo protagonist that kind of has a similar fate to Jonathan so that he's not the only, like the odd man out where it, it, Obviously, it's it's terrible for us as an audience because we are connected so much to these JoJo protagonists. But I feel like that adds just an additional emotional weight to their journey, knowing that they were successful, but at the cost of their own life. Yeah, I can see that. Um, like, I think it, we're at a point now where you just don't feel like there's as much at stake because you just feel so confident that that particular Jojo is going to survive. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to number four on our list. I'll go first if you want. Sure. All right. So number four on my list is Jolene. Is it yours Mine too? is also Jolene, okay. Jolene, Well, there you Jolene, go. Jolene, Jolene. We have aligned here on our number four. So uh, from my point of view... I think Jolene has the second strongest sense of family behind Joseph. She goes from fucking hating Jotaro and does a complete 180 saying that her only mission in life is saving her father. And of course, this happens when she realizes why he was distant and absent from her life. So I think that to me is so far. Um, again, I, I read the part uh, the part six manga, but I I barely retained it. I really only know the the big plot pieces. So thinking anime only, I, I I barely feel like I I know her at this point. Like I know her to a certain degree, but I'm waiting to see how she you know handles newer situations, more pressing situations, um, and you know when when she has more obstacles to overcome. But I I am loving what I'm seeing so far, and I feel like she has this nice blend of of very clear Jotaro traits, but also a little bit of Joseph as well. Yeah, I just like her because she's Jotaro's offspring. <laughs> I'm kidding. I I didn't realize how much I would love Jolene as a JoJo until I watched um, this first part of Stone Ocean. And I, I've mentioned before, I, I haven't read through the entirety of part six. I only made it up to the part where I think she uh, meets Joseph, Joseph uh, Jotaro in the visitation room. But yeah, I, I like... As you mentioned, um, even though she possesses like the brash qualities that we saw of Jotaro in, in part three, um, and just that kind of rebel against uh, society or like uh, a rebel against uh, the establishment um, personality that she has, uh, 
she eventually has a change of heart when she realizes how much Jotaro does care about her um, and that just fuels her to really kick her for her Joestar instincts to kick in in order to save his life however that may be towards the end of part six because I'm sure his life will be saved <laughs> I just love their father-daughter relationship I know there's a lack of it but what we're seeing here in Stone Ocean I it's it's kind of I don't know it's it's really endearing and I, I just love how again her her focus right now is saving her father to me that's just that that fuels me I think that's such like can you have a more noble cause right like yeah I know the other Jojos are trying to save the world or in Jorno's case he's trying to get rid of drugs but <laughs> but here it's like it's just such a an intimate goal that's also incredibly powerful and I love that she embraces it wholeheartedly. Even after just one interaction with her father where he dumps all of this information on her and then goes into like a comatose state of some sort in his iron lung, as I call it, that's enough for her to say, this is what I need to do. And I think that's probably like one of the more wholesome parent-child relationships in JoJo because there are very few. Which is Unless funny because count. before this, it was not wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the only one I can... Other one I can think of is uh, Joseph with Holly, or but... Joseph with Edina. I'm, or th- I'm talking about like, yeah, parent-child right. relationship. I would say Joseph and Holly's probably the most wholesome. He loves yeah. his daughter to death. As Did we I call Jotaro and Jolene's relationship wholesome? Yes. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not <laughs> wholesome, but I, I think what I meant to say was like interesting parent-child relationships because you don't see that often in in JoJo, uh, and obviously a lot of the parent-child relationships are, are kind of fucked. <laughs> I think one of the greatest parent-child relationships in JoJo that we will never be privy to is fucking Jorno and Dio. Can you imagine? Mm. I want like a spin-off manga where somehow they meet each other. Like it doesn't even have to be canon. I just want something where Araki describes to us what it would be like if Dio and Jorno actually did meet up and Jorno realized that that's his dad and vice versa. I think that would be the, the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> I think Dio would still be a proud father, like as he's looking, not looking down from from heaven, but looking up from hell at what <laughs> Jorno's doing. I really <laughs> enjoy fan art or um, just like any like fan, com- uh, not fan comics, like fan mangas that have just like little situations where Dio and Jorno interact as father and son. I, I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. But anyway, on to number three on our list. Would you like to go first? Sure. Since you ranked this JoJo lower, um, I ranked this one higher. Oh. And it's kind of surprising even to me. Uh, my number three is Giorno Giovanna. Oh, well, my number three, <laughs> which you're going to be upset about, is Jotaro Kujo. Mm, well, at least he's still in the top three. That's true. So. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I guess my defense of Giorno Giovanna, it, it's, it's going to be brief, but... I thought it was weird at first that Jorno was a child of both Dio and Jonathan. And I love how in the, the first couple episodes of part five, you have Jotaro sending Koichi over to Italy to really keep track of Jorno and see if he's going to become a problem. And you you mentioned earlier points like Jorno is his personality is like way opposite of the the Jojos that we've met so far um, where he 
he kind of indiscriminately kills people, but with like a with a I guess good reason. Uh, it's not random killing. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with just like like a regular criminal organization. I guess. <laughs> But even though he's doing these sort of immoral things, I think that's chalking up to the 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 Dio um, personalities that are coming out from him. But that's still equally balanced, like you said, with his sense of justice, which I think kind of trumps uh, all of Dio's bad blood in him because he has the Joestar blood also running through him. And I think that's... It's interesting that they gave or Araki gave Journal the goal of wanting to become a gangstar or a, a primo a primo mafioso. No, 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 gangstar. The, <laughs> the people who enjoy the the English dub, um, because like the mafia is obviously a criminal organization, but in other forms of media, I'm thinking most specifically like the Godfather franchise. You you see that family the corleone family run um on a platform of respect like they they do these immoral things but it's always with a sense of real justice for their family for their community and i love that sort of oxymoron that juxtaposition with giorno where again he's the head of a of a crime syndicate but he's ruling it with this iron fist of justice but with a sort of family first quality to it i feel like it's giorno using a tool that is available and at his within his reach to better the community that's what mm-hmm. I, I see it as like giorno did not like the state of the community like Bucciarati, he didn't like drugs um so he solved the problem by like i don't i don't think it would be easy to get rid of the mafia because i think that the mafia is so ingrained in the community as we saw but i think it's a chance to influence the community in the right direction by like a top down approach of like doing the right thing that's my thought also i mean it's dio's son so no there's no way he's going to miss the yeah. opportunity to sit <laughs> on top right <laughs> and i think the other thing i love about giorno is with his stand golden experience i guess it's it's similar to Josuke's crazy diamond. It's not like healing things, but like giving life to things. Yeah. Um, but I especially love Journal Stan's transformation into Gold Experience Requiem, where it kind of takes the aspect of of life to a whole nother level. And in that with Diavolo, King Crimson, his his um, goal was always to kind of have a, a control over his fate, whereas like Gold Experience Requiem kind of flipped the table on him where he has no control over his fate and is doomed to live like an infinite number of deaths. I love the, the kind of poetry with that um, and kind of showing that you know life finds a way <laughs> life <laughs> finds a like, way <laughs> like you cannot control how life is going to turn out for you and i think that's what um jordan like gold experience requiem was trying to emulate to to diavolo which again doomed him to his endless cycle of death uh but yeah i just love that because fate has always been a recurring theme throughout jojo's bizarre adventure and it, it's kind of personified here with with journal's journey 
Well, in the end with Jotaro, because it's it's tough for me to like talk about Jotaro as like the number three because he's top three for a reason, but also he's not number one for a reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he he shows up in the most parts two through six because yes, there is part two Jotaro. He's the smartest and most practical, but maybe to a fault. But and ultimately, he's the rock of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm. Like he he is the face of this anime, and there's good reason why. But also, I think I feel like Jotaro is the coldest of the JoJo's, the most detached from like an emotional level. Not entirely, because obviously he cares about Holly. Obviously he cares about Jolene. Obviously he cares about Joseph. He even freaks out about his friends getting hurt. But his personality is just very cold. He's a fucking tsundere, okay? I love my male tsundere, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why he's top three. But yeah, I think with, with Jotaro, I, I think things always come a bit too easy sometimes for him. And he just always kind of has the answer. Granted, he is an incredibly intelligent character who becomes a marine biologist while also trying to thwart off enemy stand users while partnering with the Speedwagon Foundation and just trying to do all that he can to protect the world. Like, he takes a lot on his shoulders, but I kind of want, sometimes I want more depth from him. I kind of want him to have a freakout moment just at at some point, right? Like, Mm. just something. Like, he kind of freaked out when he thought Joseph died in part three, Um, But it was just more of like a quick moment of panic. And he always kind of had control over the situation and control over himself. So I think that's probably why he's number three on my list, despite how fantastic he is um, as a character and just all of the things that he contributes to the lore of Jojo. I think I just sometimes want more. I want his character... His, uh, his character to have a little more depth to it in terms of his personality. Like, he's got plenty of depth when it comes to just, like, his backstory and whatnot. But when it comes to his his story, I just... Um, and, like, who he is and his personality, I want it more. Like, with his his wife, I want to know about that, right? Because that is a side of Jotaro that we have never fucking seen. I want to know how the guy even <laughs> the got... The romantic side? Yeah, how did the guy even get a wife in the first place? Like, I want to see that... And I feel like Jotaro is the same. From the moment we meet him officially in part three to where we're at in part six, he is the fucking same. (laughs) He doesn't have a lot of character development because he already has all of his shit together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say like he's a little more enlightened after part three. He's not as brash as he was then. True. Very true. If there's any type of development, it's in his ability to just be a little more, uh, a little less than today because mm-hmm. he goes from being the, the teenager with a mentor to then becoming the mentor of a teenager in part four and then continuing that, that cycle as he's like mentoring Koichi to a certain degree in part five and now he's you know he's got his daughter that he's helping in part six yeah well he mentors everyone else more than his own daughter <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that's why jotaro is not number one or number two it's just because i wanted a little bit more from him but moving on to our number two jojo on each of our lists i'll go first i guess or do you sure. want to go first no i want to hear what your number two is i'm sure you already know by process of elimination, I'm sure you already know. But uh, it is Josuke Higashikata. Mm, okay. Because I love BB Josuke. What about you? 
my number two is Joseph Joestar. Oh actually. my god! <laughs> so I, I process of elimination. I know who your number one is, and vice versa. <laughs> well, really quick with Josuke, I I just love him. I think he's the character that has a lot of depth. He goes through a lot of emotion. He's not just always angry or one note like Jolene. She's not one note, but she kind of always has the, the similar reaction to everything. Like she's a tough character like Jotaro, but she does have her her great like funny moments. Um, Jorno is just always like that cool, collected character, blah, blah, blah. Um, Josuke and Joseph have, I think they display the most range or the, the largest range of emotions, funny enough, their father and son. So yeah, he definitely does take after Joseph in the sense that he has a strong sense of family but also is like really really funny and just kind of does what he does he's a delinquent but with a heart of gold he just wants to help people all the time even if he doesn't outwardly show it and when you compare him to Jorno, like most of the enemy stand user encounters that josuke goes through those people end up being his friend or at least somebody that he is cool with mm -hmm. and he doesn't kill anyone unless you count angelo but i think they imply that angelo's technically still yeah, alive koichi says yo angelo yo angelo <laughs> so uh, if, you, if you count angelo or not that's you know it, it is what it is but he has kind of that opposite approach to things from from giorno granted he doesn't have any of dio's blood in him <laughs> and he has one of the few healing stands so there you go yeah so that he could do so much more for the world if he were like, not limited to Moriocho. True. I, I would say in comparison to the other JoJo's, because they're all pretty much at that same high school age um, in each of their parts, he has he displays the least amount of, not potential, but um, an understanding of his potential. Like, mm -hmm. to your point, again, it's a slice of life. It's, it's not something that impacts the world. Like, Joseph, when he was a teenager, saved the world. Right. Jotaro, when he was a teenager, saved the world. Um, although you could argue, at least while we're at in Stone Ocean, that Jolene's story is also very contained to her little bubble mm -hmm. um, in the in the prison. So I don't know. Like I, I just think overall, Josuke is so much fun to watch. He's got such an um, like a, a contagious type of personality where when he's happy on screen, I'm happy, and when he's upset at something, I'm upset at something. And I just I love watching his journey, even if it is a slice of life. I forgot about is um, when Josuke gets the fever and that's what um, I don't know if that's what activated his stand ability remember they were in that car yeah he got the fever because the stand arrow activated the Joestar stands so yeah that, like right around the time of Stardust Crusaders right yes yeah or like whenever Dio got pierced with, this, with the arrow mm -hmm. everyone got their stands but because Josuke was a kid he got a fever from it yeah, I I can't remember exactly what happened at that or during that episode in part four, but I think Josuke's mom was trying to drive Josuke to somewhere, and then like they couldn't reach it, and then all of a sudden you see like a shadowy figure with a pompadour um, come over to save them. <laughs> they never talked about that, right? There's like implications in part four, and it's a little fuzzy because it's been a while since we've watched it, but I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to our part four review series. Um, but yeah, there, there are some implications. It's just never really clearly explained, or there's nothing concrete um, about who or what that is. 
I, I I thought for some reason that was gonna get resolved, and we find out <laughs> it's like a future Josuke. <laughs> that, that's a where, theory. The theory like, is that it's Josuke from the future influencing his past to make sure that he survives or something. Another theory is that um, that it wasn't actually Josuke, but because that person you know helped them, he was he wanted to be like that person. It goes back mm-hmm. to again. Josuke is a delinquent, but he wants to help people because someone helped him when he was a kid and he was able to survive. I think the only thing that I, or one of the other things I took away from that scene, which is probably the one quality I do like about Josuke is his pompadour hair. You only like him for his (laughs) pompadour hair? He has like, I guess each of the JoJo's has their own unique sense of hairstyle. Of course, you have Jotaro, who's, you don't know where his hair begins and his hat ends. He has literal uh, hat hair. You have Giorno, who has three donuts at the front of his head. <laughs> uh, but like every time I see a pompadour, like I immediately think of Josuke now. I know, you know, Elvis has was the first to kind of like popularize that hairdo. Uh, and then Space Dandy, I know, also has a pompadour. But anytime I see one now, I, I immediately think of Josuke. Even in other anime that are unrelated to JoJo. You have a lot of delinquents who have like that pompadour look, but anytime I see a grilled steak, I'll <laughs> yeah, think that. of that. <laughs> and I know um, they uh, was it Game Freak, the Pokemon company recently revealed the new Pokemon game Scarlet and Violet that's supposed to come out, and one of the starters, I think the the water type, is a duck named Quaxley, and there have been memes going around about how Quaxley has a pompadour kind of top similar to Josuke's and people have drawn that that Pokemon and Josuke design. I love those. (laughs) And so for my number two, Joseph, I've mentioned this many times, I think, in other podcasts in our, I think, strictly JoJo discussion with anime headliners where they were a guest and even on um, when we were featured as a guest on anime headliners talking about Joseph Joestar is and on anime brothers when we joined them in otaku host club for our discussion on jojo's bizarre adventure Mm because the question came up like who do you love among the jojos yeah and i I always use this analogy with joseph joestar because i think it, it works perfectly for the series is that if you look at jojo's bizarre adventure as similar to the very the two first assassin's creed games you could equate Jonathan Joestar to Altair. Um, again, the, the, the foundation for the entire seri- their respective series as a whole. But both of those characters are kind of dull and uninteresting. But then you have characters like Joseph Joestar or Ezio, who were the second protagonists to come out of their series. And they, they kind of changed the game. Uh, where it's complete opposite personality from their previous pro- the previous protagonists in their series. And here you have Joseph, who is again the the Joestar bloodline immediately falls into degeneracy once we get to part two. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's a fresh take, and he, it's he's definitely a lot more likable and relatable. Um, than Jonathan Joestar was. And I think if Araki hadn't made a character like Joseph as the second protagonist for the series, we probably 
wouldn't have the franchise become the sort of pop culture phenomenon that it has now because Joseph, again, really changed the game for the series with, he still has the, the gentlemanly qualities of, of Jonathan Joestar and of the Joestar blood, but he puts it in a way that again, like makes us really connect with him as a character and just all the, the antics that he goes up to, his his one-liners, like the very nice Caesar-chan or the, oh, no, or even in part three, the, oh, my God. <laughs> like he, he His influence spreads across a majority of the JoJo parts um, after part two. And so even though Jonathan's the foundation, it's Joseph who really sets the journey of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure into motion. Yeah, I, I'll gush all about Joseph when we get to our number ones. Because, spoiler <laughs> alert, Joseph Joestar is my number one favorite JoJo. And my number one is, of course, Jotaro Kujo. Ooh, I mean, both equally fantastic mm-hmm. picks. Uh, I echo everything that you said about Joseph. Um, I always tell people when they first get into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and they're unsure about it, just get to episode 10. Like a lot of people... Episode 10 is when things really start to make an impact um, and Joseph just grips you and does not let go. Like he's a, a, a fantastic character. It's fucking Joseph Joestar. I mean, like I, I could talk about him all day long. I love him so much. He's not only my favorite Jojo, but one of my favorite anime characters in general. And he shows us that characters can age with grace and dignity and become arguably even more helpful and important as they age. Like here's here's a man who, you know, we get introduced to as a teenager and then we see him again as a grandfather and then again as like uh, potentially a great-grandfather. Was Jolene born by part four? I can never remember. By part four, I not, or I think she was. She might have been like four or five. Guys, I always- I, 1999. Joel- um, Bizarre Summer was part four. Yeah. That's how I remember it. <laughs> well, either way, like, he, he eventually becomes a, a great-grandfather, but every time he shows up, he's, you know, equally influential. Even if he's maybe a little bit weaker because he has, you know, aged a bit, he's equally as impactful. And um, I, I think that that's really important because that's not something that you see very often in anime in general. And as I alluded to earlier, he has the strongest sense of family among the the JoJo's. The only thing that really sets him off or upsets him is when someone puts one of his family members in danger. That's that's to me one of the only times he really gets serious because it is that important to him. So yeah, I mean, again, like I could gush all day long about Joseph. I love him. He's so funny and cool at the same time. He's like the perfect blend um, blend type of character. He's way less one note than Jonathan and you know he has more depth to him in terms of personality than Jotaro does so yeah you get a great range from from Joseph in all of the parts that he appears in but yeah I just I love him I think he's so fucking funny he's great <laughs> yeah that's that, I'll leave it there like I love Joseph I really do and it's weird because Joseph was my number one Jojo for a while uh and then part three happened <laughs> and then part three happened. <laughs> um, and I remember when you had first introduced me to the series and we had just wrapped up part two. I felt like I was, you know, on cloud nine after watching Joseph's journey. But you wanted to immediately jump into part three. And so I was like, okay, fine. 
And <laughs> you get introduced to Jotaro in that very first episode of Stardust Crusaders. And it's a complete 180 from Joseph. They all do 180s. Right. <laughs> but, like, the reason I was so eager is because Jotaro has, like, one of the best introduction episodes of all the JoJo's. Like, I've, I've talked about this before on this podcast. Like, you get Holly running up thinking, like, oh, my sweet, precious little boy, he's in jail. <laughs> and, like, all these flashbacks of him being a really good boy. And then she gets to the jail cell and he's like, shut up, woman. And then she's like, okay. And then they just slap the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure logo on the screen. It says Stardust Crusaders. And I was watching it the first time, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was fantastic. So, anyway, yeah, Jotaro, funny. Yeah. And so I was just immediately turned off by that. I was like, I, I don't think I could love Jotaro as much as I do Joseph, but I was proven wrong. And I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly why I love Jotaro because I guess like Joseph, he is the goofiest out of all the Jojos. And I, I love those goofy characters. And I just came to the realization when you were talking about Jotaro earlier that he's probably one of the only Sundere characters that I like. Because I mostly gravitate towards like Kurere characters. Yeah, like, I think that's um, that falls into that common question around Sundares. For people who aren't into Sundares, they ask people like myself why we love Sundares so much. And it's because there's something so exciting and so gratifying and satisfying. Did I say satisfying already? <laughs> I may have repeated myself, sorry. <laughs> about watching a character who on the outside appears to be like basically a piece of shit and really rude and just not someone you would normally want to be around show that they truly have a heart of gold. Like they're just, it's just, they're, it's tough with their personality for them to be connected with people in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But you know that they want to so desperately be connected with people. Jotaro is a perfect example. Right. He puts off his mom all the time, yells at her. But when it comes down to it, like he cares so much about his mother, like so much. And with Jolene, he cares so much about his daughter that he actually decided to separate himself from her just to keep her safe. Like that's, that has got to be incredibly difficult. So yeah, there's something about Sundares and Jotaro in particular that I think what draws people into him is that despite his personality, he is always doing the right thing. Yeah, and throughout part three, uh, Stardust Crusaders, I think that's probably like Stardust Crusaders with its 50 plus episodes and it being one of the longer parts of Jojo so far, it's probably why people love him so much. Um, and to your point, like even though he does come off as, as brash and uncouth and rebellious in that first episode. And in a lot of the episodes that follow, you, you start to learn that there is a heart of gold under that stone-faced... Fighting gold. <laughs> <laughs> under that stone-faced facade. And I, I started to kind of appreciate uh, in opposition or like contrary to joseph's like goofy personality i really love like so, um, some of jotaro's like deadpan straight-laced humor <laughs> in part three yeah. um, so i think that's also what uh, attracted me to him um and i think i always call him like the quintessential jojo because he does have that strange sense of humor he he does have the the family first qualities of the Joestar bloodline. And he, as much as Joseph does, or maybe a little bit more, he has exerted so much influence over his the subsequent parts of Jojo with part four, where he goes to make sure 
uh, in Moriocho that Josuke is doing fine. Part five, where he learns about um, Giorno and makes sure that he has a good head on his shoulders, unlike um, Jonathan's body. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then part six, of course, we learn about his his family relationship with his daughter. And throughout all of these, I think Jotaro has had significant character development um, compared to the other Jojos where he started off as this rebellious high school student who was sent to ward off the like one of the world's major vampiric threats to someone who has become a mentor figure for a lot of the Jojo protagonists that came after him. Uh, so I think that that kind of process of like him growing up and becoming like going from the student to the master is, is kind of fascinating. The one thing that obviously is questionable about Jotaro is how he was able to suddenly stop uh, deals the world because he said, oh, it's the same type of stand as Star Platinum. That That's what I was getting at <laughs> earlier, that sometimes things just fall in line too easy for Jotaro or it's just like it, he just always has it together. Like, mm-hmm. even in this fight with Dio, like, yeah, there were moments of panic, but really, like, Jotaro, he he had that. Like, he had that fight, right? Like, he knew it. <laughs> like, he <Yeah>. was fine. <laughs> and, yeah, I think that contributed to some of, like, why I loved his deadpan humor earlier, because with the, <laughs> the shuffling of the cards in his fight against the, was it Darby Elder um, during the Pobreker match, and then against Darby Jr. Um, when they're playing Oh, That's a Baseball, and he's like, oh, this game is kind of fun. Like, <laughs> I love that straight-laced humor, but he, he always felt like he was in control of those situations. And again, with his fight against Dio, that was the same case. So, yeah, maybe there, there's, there needs to be a case where Jotaro really is up against the wall. And I think that's kind of like what happens in Part 6, where he's like he's left in a comatose state because of White Snake. But Yeah, but even then, like even leading up to that point, he still had it all together. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he needed to because his daughter was right there. And if he started panicking, she would start panicking. But again, like there's the, he by design just kind of always has it together. He's the calmest mm-hmm. and most rational of the JoJo's. But to your earlier point, there are two faces of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's Jotaro and Dio. Like the he mm-hmm. from the JoJo side of things, like Jotaro, it, when people think JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, especially if they don't know much about it, they're going to think Jotaro. Yeah. And so I feel like part six is kind of like the the passing of the torch um, for Jotaro to kind of like conclude his story within the series. But like I, I'm just glad to have seen his journey through and through. It's probably one of the few characters that I have like a bunch of figures of um, in our homes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. These are our rankings of the Jotos, but really are our favorites. Um, in order and uh, I'm like surprised but not surprised I'm surprised by the lower parts of the list but I'm not as surprised with the the upper parts of the list just because we've talked about it so many times we've talked about our top three Jojos many many times in many many discussions yeah I'm sure that they'll start to evolve once we get the anime adaptations of part seven and part eight and then wh- whoever the protagonist is for part nine, Jojo lands. Yeah, but. we'll definitely revisit this topic <laughs> down the road when we get to introduced, you know, the anime only people get a- introduced to Johnny um, and Joe Skate, Gappy, whatever his name is. So yeah, this we'll keep that one on the docket for, for the future. 
But with that, thank you everyone once again for joining us here at Strictly JoJo. We're excited to be doing some discussion topics now that we have a bit of a break in the Stone Ocean Review series. We'll continue to keep you posted once Netflix releases more, any information really, about the next batch of Stone Ocean episodes. But for now, look forward to even more discussions. And that wraps up episode 41 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday during the Stone Ocean Review series. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>